Welcome back, everybody. It's Taco Tuesday! I'm Alex Padilla. I'm Alex Regla. Welcome back, everybody. Taco Tuesday. Alex Padilla, Alex Regla with you guys on a Tuesday. At Alex M. Regla. That's him. How are you? I'm doing well, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. It's good to be on after a win and like no game to worry about until Friday. You know, a nice little four day break is just everything the Lakers needed right now. A win and a break. Yeah, it could like perfect timing on the the time off given the LeBron injury and stuff like that. But man, it would have sucked if they they lost that game too. And yeah, it was just they would a few days just nothing but trade rumors and yeah. Well, cool. I mean Google Lakers. <laughs> and it's still nothing but trade rumors and who knows what else is out there for them. I mean, that's the land of the Lakers. Even when they were good, it was always like, who else are they going to get? But yeah, it was nice to see them snap their five-game losing streak and they did beat the Brooklyn Nets uh, without Kyrie Irving. But of course, the Lakers did not have LeBron James. Um, just great to see Anthony Davis look healthy, look kind of, should I say the word, explosive sometimes. Uh, it looked, it was just like a solid performance and the people at, at crypto, they got tacos. I mean, it's a great night. Yeah. I was guessing it's probably their best game they've played in a while in terms of start to finish. Like they, there was like a point there in the third where it looked like, uh Oh, like mm. after getting that lead going to the half, that third quarter always bites them in the ass. And it looked like that was going to happen again. But yeah, like I said, AD was a monster and that's exactly the type of performance the team's been looking for him to have and he really showed up and yeah i, I think they had a lot of contributions from a lot of guys and it's just a well-balanced win and, and that's against brooklyn like you said without Kyrie, without ben simmons they've been better Curry, but they've, they've been, been better they've yeah been better. i think they've been like number one in net rating in like the last five or six games so that's no you know easy team to beat any team that has kd isn't is, is an easy win there yeah, you get 25 points from Lonnie Walker, 15 from Austin Reeves. Uh, Russell Westbrook, uh, not his best shooting night, but still throw, gave you 14 points, 12 assists. So uh, good night, but obviously that was a few days ago. We move on two days, and of course, like you said, you know, trade rumors are around. Uh, but before we get to the big stories, as far as rumors go, um, I did catch today, um, on silverscreenroll.com, which you write for at Alex M. Regla is on Twitter. Catch him there. But you also write for silverscreenroll.com, obviously. And you had a Lakers notebook today. Uh, you talked about the two-man game between Russell Westbrook. You talked about Lonnie Walker's uh, jump shot. And also, really, kind of what I really want to talk about first with you is how bad the Lakers have been on transition offense and defense, which is surprising. Alex, can you give us a quick rundown, and then we'll jump into more specifics about the transition but give us a rundown on what you wrote. Yeah, yeah. It's like you mentioned, I wrote about every every notebook is usually three things. I always like to do two positives, one negative. And uh, yeah, I wrote about Russell Westbrook and Wenyan Gabriel. And that two-man game off the bench has been really cool to see. And Wenyan's the exact type of big Russ has always had success with. You know, he's a great motor. He's athletic. Um, and he does a really good job off the ball. Like anytime Westbrook gets caught in the air, Gabriel always finds himself in the perfect spot to kind of catch that pass and finish and um like you mentioned also Lonnie uh, his jumper has been you know a big improvement I would say over last year with the Spurs even though the numbers aren't still like greatest I think the process has been really good with him like 
all his looks are off the catch versus off the dribble and stuff like that. And then transition, like there's been a ton of reasons why the Lakers are three and 10, a lot of, a lot of reasons why they struggle, but their issues in transition have been there since game one against the Warriors. And then it's just been something kind of bubbling under the surface since then. And it's like you mentioned on both ends, offensive, defensively, like this is a team who gets out and runs, I think like the fourth highest rate in the league. Like they're really good at getting out in transition, mm-hmm. but when it comes to finishing their, their chances, they've been awful. 26. I I yeah. Um, and just, they're turning it over themselves in transition. They're settling for long threes and missing them in transition. And defensively, same thing. They're allowing the opposition to get out and run. And when the deep, when the opposition has a chance to get out and run, they almost always score. So it's just the, uh, the worst of both worlds there for them. I think like, I really want to focus on the transition thing because I think when you look at a team that's three and 10, um, specifically this team, it's really easy to say the roster's not good and they can't shoot, right? I think everybody would tell you that the roster's not good enough. I mean, shoot, we've said that. The roster's not good enough and they clearly don't have any shooters. But really, on a team where Darvin Ham has really pounded the point, defense, 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 defense. We need to play defense. We need to be aggressive on defense. We need to get the ball moving. We need to roll. We need to go fast. When you have Russell Westbrook on your team, when you have Lonnie Walker on your team, when you have guys that can move the ball aggressively, when you have LeBron James on your team, for goodness sake, like LeBron James, how many touchdown passes has he thrown in his career, you know? So when you when you talk about this team and what they want to do, I found it incredibly surprising how bad they were at doing it. So yes, you can say the roster sucks and they have no shooting, but when you watch games, is it as obvious to you that this the transition is a major part of their issue? I mean, like you said, they have the fourth highest percentage going into transition, but they have the sixth highest turnover rate. Like that's terrible. They they turn the ball over 14% of the time every time they transition. That to me blew my mind. Like that's so often. Yeah, because you're almost turning your transition opportunity and you're giving it right over to the opposition, right? Like you're almost flipping it. Yeah. Doesn't that almost go hand in hand as to why they're bad on the transition defense if they're so bad on the transition offense? It's a big, it's a big factor. And like I can say their offense in the half court is another big reason. Like the, the more long misses you have, and usually those come off, you know, when you miss three pointers, that gives the, the opposition a chance to catch that and immediately get into their early offense or in transition. And that's, that's been the case. And like, it feels like these could be correctable things. Like I clipped together just like eight to 10, like clips of them turning it over in transition. And almost all of them are just noticeably just poor decisions or lazy passes or just things that can easily be fixed. And it's not just one guy like LeBron is guilty of it. Westbrook obviously is guilty of it. Multiple guys are guilty of, of just making bad decisions in transition. But these are the things that, especially for a team who struggles in the half court, like they do, mm-hmm. you have to kind of capitalize on those easy baskets. So when you look at the the numbers that you wrote, and like I said, uh, go to silverscreenroll.com, read Alex's notebook. Um, I, th- I found it really fascinating. They're the 26th worst team as far as points per transition at 1.01. And on the other end of it, they give up the second highest points per possession. That's mm-hmm. a recipe for a disaster. That's a recipe for three and 10. So yes, but then also what you pointed out, and you could explain it more, obviously, is how bad their shooting is on the transition end or with a quick shot clock. Yeah. So basically, you know, and especially in the modern game, like obviously it's ideal to get a layup or dunk any anytime you're on transition, but 
as the game's kind of evolved, people kind of push the pace. And when the defense tries to stop the ball, that creates these kind of like wing slots that are like players kind of are designed to, to run the lanes and, and the other guys are supposed to like fill the corners. And earlier, earlier in the season, we saw Darwin Ham kind of paint those blue boxes on the baseline to tell players where to be. And a lot of times those guys are supposed to be in the corners because in those transition opportunities, uh, when a guy like AD or LeBron or Russ is driving to the middle, those corner guys become open. And usually, and those are the kind of looks the Lakers are getting, and they're just not making them. I, I think they're, what, shooting 20-something percent in uh, early shot clock chances, and that just means they're they're shooting it really fast and they're missing it really fast. And that, that's something also Darvin Ham mentioned the other day, I think right before the game, that he really wants the team to slow down and kind of milk the clock and kind of look for the best shot instead of kind of just taking like the, like the most immediate, because uh, you know, if you milk it, if you kind of pass the ball around, you might get a better shot eventually versus kind of settling for these pull-up threes, which this roster is not built to do. So, yeah. Yeah. According to your notebook, uh, 24.6% of their three point attempts they've only made, which is 29th in the league when they're early into the shot clock. So I think anytime you look at any of their shooting numbers, they're going to be lower end of the league. But when you put it all together, do you think that this is a shooting problem or is this like a decision-making issue with Russ, LeBron, Lonnie, guys that would run the fast break traditionally? I mean, when you watch the Brooklyn game, um, Russ missed a lot of layups, a lot, you know, and I know that he forced quite a few, but is that kind of the issue? Is the decision-making or do you kind of, do you point one thing out more than the other when it comes to transition? Yeah, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. And and also just, you know, the Lakers, like I mentioned, they do get out and run a lot. And just by virtue of that, they are going to have more misses than other teams because just by the sheer volume that they're, they're, they're getting out. But with that said, yeah, they're, they're blowing layups. They're like I mentioned, the three point shots soft transition are not going in right now. The, the turnovers have been a big factor as well, but yeah, I, like you said, there are there are, this team is kind of built to run. Like they are doing what they're kind of constructed to do. You have these crazy athletes like Westbrook, LeBron, and, and Lonnie Walker, and they're they're really pushing the pace, and it has helped. But they're just not really efficient doing it yet. So if they can kind of find a middle ground in terms of keeping that that tempo, but also being able to kind of slow down if things aren't set, like. If they get, if they, if Russ, this is, this is a, I don't want to make these, this about Russ, but since he's the guy who usually is the guy pushing the pace, he, he gets the ball and he, he attacks even if two guys are back there or three guys are back mm. there versus that's not the right time to attack. Even though you are in transition, sometimes it's better to kick it out, reset and, and see what we can get from there. So it's the Lakers are three and 10. They, they now don't play till Friday. They take on Detroit. They take on San Antonio. Uh, get familiar with San Antonio because you play them a lot in the next two weeks. Um, I will be in San Antonio when the Lakers are. I'm thinking about going to one of those games um, uh, just to check them out. But um, so nice little days off. And with days off, here comes some news and here comes some reinforcements. I think the biggest news, uh, official news of the day is that the Lakers assigned Thomas Bryant, Dennis Schroeder, Kendrick Nunn to South Bay and then immediately brought them back. So they just sent them down there for an extra practice. All signs point to Thomas Bryant make his, making his season debut, Dennis Schroeder making his season debut, and Kendrick Nunn all being back for Friday against the Pistons. What does that mean for the Lakers? <laughs> Getting Bryant and Schroeder back. 
it's i mean it's it's good news obviously because this team feels like it's been shorthanded even though they've been mostly healthy besides those two guys all year you know outside of lebron being hurt recently but um it gives the lakers another backup big given that D- the damian jones thing just hasn't worked out yet like like i mentioned winning gabriel has really impressed mm-hmm. but he isn't the type of body that thomas bryan is he's a kind of that traditional five that um, AD has played next to, and I think because of that, AD has played 100% of his minutes at center this year. Mm-hmm. Maybe with Brian coming back, that changes. And I could, I do kind of want to see it just to see how a bigger lineup would look at times for this Lakers team. Um, and then Dennis, like it gives you that extra lead ball handler that they've been missing outside of Russ. Like it, the Lakers have desperately needed Russ as, as bad as he's played at times, as good as he's played at times. They really don't have another guy on the roster. Again, given how a guy like Kendrick Nunn has played, that is giving them any type of kind of creation out of the point guard spot. So hopefully with Dennis coming back, it kind of limits uh, Russ a bit, which will also kind of maximize him uh, in terms of not exposing him too much out there. So yeah, I I think them coming back, is it going to magically solve anything? But it does kind of help slot guys in, in better spots. Do you think that Brian is the most important piece of this puzzle of the three guys? I mean, Kendrick Nunn's been probably so that, the biggest disappointment. that's interesting to you kendrick kendrick isn't hurt he was just sent down to get mm-hmm. reps what do you make of that i mean he's been awful so far i was literally Pretty like bad. he's been the uh biggest disappointment so far this season i actually think guys have played up to what we were expecting right yeah. i mean lonnie walker has definitely out done mm-hmm. anything i expected from him he's the he's this year's uh malik monk i guess um i i just think brown has been fine uh, AD's been good. LeBron, when healthy, has been LeBron. Reeves has been uh, trending upwards. He's he's shown improvement. Gabriel, like you said, has fit in. Russ has not complained and done decently off the bench. Mm-hmm. I think he's now the favorite to win sixth man of the year, according to Vegas, by the <laughs> way. Um, but when you look at Kendrick Gunn, I think they were treating him as a free agent this year. You know, I think we all kind of talked about him as like, hey, well, at least you're getting Kendrick Nunn back, and he's been bad. I'm not he's saying he, he's going to stay player. bad, but he's been bad. I mean, maybe Pat Beverly has not lived up to any expectations, mm-hmm. but I would say Kendrick Nunn has definitely been the biggest disappointment so far this year. Yeah, and then maybe that goes into maybe making Dennis the most important guy of the three coming back. It, like I mentioned, he he does give that Lakers the Lakers an extra ball handler, and they don't have to necessarily rely on Nunn. I mean, I mean he's already Nunn has basically been out of the rotation. Yeah. even without Dennis there. Yeah. And, and that kind of speaks volumes. Like a guy like Matt Christie has kind of already yeah. passed him up on the rotation. That's so. crazy. And it, now that you bring that up, how do you, what are you seeing from him? Getting some real minutes. I know he's undersized at the moment, but important minutes being played by him. I think he shot the ball like once in, I don't know how many minutes he played, but he had nine rebounds. Yeah. So it's like, he's doing, you know, the stuff that they kind of need out of their wings. And and he is the one wing that is like a six, he's six, six. I think he has a long wingspan. He does give them a bit of size at least in terms of length. Like you mentioned, he's still pretty thin, but um, he competes out there. He plays solid defense. And that was the thing he did going back to summer league. I mean, I wrote like a whole thing on just his defense and being impressed by it. And that's kind of, you know, carried over and his rebounding solid, you know, he's made, I think like five of 11 of his three point attempts. Mm-hmm. It's like for a rookie, like he is the three Dean guy they, they were looking for. And I kind of get why Darvin Ham likes him so far. Do you think there's any chance, maybe not Friday, but do you think there's any chance that 
Bryant gets slid into a starting role. And we kind of go back to like that 2020 year where it was uh, Javel starting with AD at the four, just give, to give AD some minutes outside the five. Or do you think that they'll just bring him up? I mean, I'm not talking specifically Friday, just in general. Mm. Do you th- do you think that that might happen? I think eventually, if it's not starting, I, I do hope we do at least see that lineup. Um, like the Lakers have just been so small this year, and and AD has done as much as he can as center. But I just do want to see them kind of what moving AD down to the four does in terms of helping um, minimize their weakness in the forwards and wing spots. Because having AD at center does you know make guys like Troy Brown really more of a necessity like necessity versus a luxury. So if you can move AD down, move LeBron down, now you're suddenly kind of you're okay on the wing, and that's mm-hmm. kind of been a weakness all year. But it all depends on how Thomas Bryant plays. Like he's another guy who um, in, in the, in the time he did have in the preseason, didn't impress a lot. Like even before the injury, he was kind of yeah. like with Damian Jones where we're like, these, both of these guys aren't really doing much. And I think that was a big reason why ham just said, no, we're just going to go with AD at center. Yeah. And even with AD hurt, we're, we're not going to play Jones a lot. Like Gabriel's been their backup big and he's really a non-traditional center. Uh, was it like a week ago? That like AD, I think they, I think it was like their eighth loss or ninth loss of the season, yeah. and, and he kind of was jabbing at playing center so much. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many you know locker room conversations are being had between him and Ham about like, yo, you need a more effective at the four. I think, I mean, it's no surprise. Anthony Davis likes playing the four more than the five, and now when he goes public, and it's not he didn't say I hate playing the five publicly, but kind of said I'm better at the four defensively yeah 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 and that i i do agree like i totally get where he's coming from like he's doing literally everything they're asking of him he's hurt obviously he i mean his back's been bothering him but um i i also look ahead at the schedule like they're about to play some big centers and we've seen what ad has had issues with a guy like zubox for example but like you mentioned they're about to play this first three times Pirtle's a big guy like that's a big guy down there he's not the best player in the world but he's really crafty. He's strong. Like that's the type of center. It'd be nice to have someone other than AD kind of bang with down low. Um, you have Deandre Aiden coming up in Phoenix that we already know from past experiences, what he does to the Lakers. So yeah, it'd be cool just to have another look. Like I'm not saying you have to start Bryant, but it'd be cool not to have to play AD 100% of the time at center. Right. So we'll see what happens on Friday. Uh, Reports say that, that Bryant and, Schroeder should be available for Friday. So we'll see if that happens. Um, you ready to have some fun? So that's really what's happening with the Lakers. They're three and ten. We know reasons why they're bad. We see which guys are coming back. Um, Harrison, I, I'm gonna leave <laughs> you alone, but you gotta stop doing these bits because they're coming to life, all of them. Can't judge this team till Thomas Bryant. Like, can you stop? So uh that <laughs> and I know Harrison's back riding with us, at least for now, for a bit. Um so let's have some fun though, okay? All right. Because there are rumors and they're just rumors, but you never know with the Lakers. <laughs> uh, do you want to start? Let's just start with Miles Turner. We've been hearing about this guy all offseason. Uh, he's the, the Pacers uh, big and Rob Palenka waiting. I don't know if he's waiting for this particular trade, but the rumor, you know, it's a Russ first two first rounders for Bradley B, or for, excuse me, for Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. 
That's been the trade package that we've talked about endlessly at nauseum. Um, now, and I will tell you before I even tell you what it is. Now, this is the best leverage I've ever heard because according to Eric Pincus, the Lakers are not the only team interested in trading for Miles Turner, and they're not the only Los Angeles team interested in trading for Miles Turner. According to Eric Pincus, the Clippers are mulling a Miles Turner trade. Now, I think the Clippers, a little bit like the Lakers, undersized once Zubats gets off the lineup yeah, because they've been going with Nicholas Batum, Marcus Moore Sr., so they don't have a lot of size themselves. Now, they have floated the possibility of maybe trading their a Reggie Jackson or a John Wall and some of their first-round picks that they have available in 2028 and 2029 is according to Eric Pincus. Now, real or whispers coming from Indiana like, yo, Robbie, hurry up, dog. That other team that doesn't mind paying that luxury tax because they got <laughs> money. They got that Windows money. What do you think? Um, yeah, that was my first reaction, what you just laid out there. I mean, it feels like a really smart leverage play. Like, hey, like you're not going to pay us or you're not going to give us those first round picks. Like, well, you're the guy, the team you share this stadium with, Will. And we know that they're willing to pay the luxury tax. Where we know they're willing to trade those picks. And um, I mean, they know the desperate, not the desperation, but they know that like most of Laker fans kind of want a deal to happen eventually. They know that this team is kind of the the one they've circled in terms of getting Miles Turner out of there and stuff like that. But if the I don't know how real the Clippers' interest is, but like you said, it does make sense. Like they do need a center, like an additional center. That's kind of been a weakness of theirs for the last few years. That's uh, something they've been looking for. And everybody knows Miles Turner is probably not going to be a pacer past the deadline. If he is, that'd be a massive surprise. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's smart uh, to throw the Clippers name out there to see if the Lakers bite, or maybe this is just real. And maybe the Clippers are like, Hey, we'll give you what you want. And I have like, given how things have gone in the past, I would not be surprised if like Turner gets traded for like one first round pick right? or like I mean, two seconds or three seconds or yeah, something like you that. You always think of like Jeremy Grant, right? And how like mm -hmm. they were just, I think everybody dangles the Lakers and, or they hardball the Lakers and they're like, Oh, the Lakers ain't doing it. Let's just go get something else for them. Uh, yeah. At least that's the way it's reported all the time. But I mean, this is the Clippers, man. The, the team that took, you know, Kawhi Leonard, who a lot of people thought could come to the LA, the, the team that took Paul George, who everybody assumed was coming to LA. The Clippers, who, like you said, and and it's it's not a secret, Steve Ballmer has no problem paying any sort of luxury tax. Steve Ballmer's got a lot of money, and he wants to see this team desperately win a championship, a team that's never made an NBA Finals before. And if there is this piece in a Miles Turner that can take them over the top, and you have excess players, like hey, we, we, I mean, the Lakers have excess guards, but does anybody want them? But would a team like Indiana take a Reggie Jackson or John Wall and some first round picks? Yeah. I mean, if they're, t if they're willing to take Russell Westbrook in two picks, well, I see, I don't see why not. Um, I think I don't, I don't want to say it's not real because obviously I don't know, but I would say this just screams leverage to me. Yeah. And like also the timing of it, the Lakers are off until Friday. Mm -hmm. Like this, when I saw this, like amount of days between games, I thought like, okay, if a trade were to happen before the deadline, this feels like a good time just because you can incorporate those new guys into mm -hmm. your practices. Um, it, 
be a little less awkward than having to trade a guy when they're on the road or something. So I, the timing of it, I thought like, oh, like maybe a trade might happen these next few days, but I don't know if the Pacers are thinking that when they see the Lakers schedule or what, but yeah, but I don't like think teams knew. Teams. Excuse me, I don't think teams knew that that they were waiting for Thomas Bryant and Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, I don't. Because <laughs> <laughs> now they got four days to bring Turner them. And Buddy healed on the Clippers somehow. Oh man, you imagine? You imagine that they do that and Buddy Heald keeps isn't Buddy Heald like the third best shooter like right now in three point percentage? Something yeah. like that. With this X amount of t- shots taken, like Buddy Heald is just killing it. But e- either way, um let me ask you this question. Um obviously the reports are that Rob is gonna wait it out to see how bad are the Lakers gonna be? Is it worth making a trade? Which to me makes you know it makes no sense to me to wait out to see how bad you're gonna be because you can prevent being that bad in my opinion <laughs> isn't that point yeah you know like it's lebron james <laughs> is showing his age more and more every year when he's on the court he's still good but i don't think lebron james has like a 50 point game in him anymore you know i don't think that that level is that nos button is there anymore for lebron james and he's getting hurt more and more frequently Anthony Davis so far, knock on wood, staying healthy, looks good, looks really good so far. But why would you waste a year of that? Like, why why would you waste a year to see how bad you can be, but because you really think next summer you're going to go get some budding superstar and that's going to make you better? Rob Palenka, and I don't know if you agree with this, but I I don't even know if anybody said this. Rob Palenka is an agent, right? The whole point of being an agent is to get big-name guys to get the guys that are going to make the most money, to get the guys that are going to be more marketable, to be the guys that, like, when you look up my my portfolio, I got X, X, I got Kobe, I got this, I got this, I got this. That's how Rob is running the Lakers. He's not really running it to get a real roster. He's running it like an agent where I just want the biggest names I can get, and that's going to make it, and that's going to make it work. And I just, I just don't know what he's waiting for. And make, do you kind of get what I'm saying, though? Like, yeah. All these reports that they're waiting to see how bad they are, but can't you stop being bad if you make a move? It it definitely feels counterproductive, right? Like it will get like giving this team a, like a 20 game deadline, right? By that point it might be too late. Right. And, and that goes back to it's like probably too late now. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, maybe. So it's at this point, waiting doesn't solve anything. If anything, it digs a bigger hole and maybe that's, his rationale. Maybe he's like, I wasn't comfortable trading these two first round picks at any point. And this is just proving that like, I'm not going to do it. Like we see this team out of playoff contention. Well, I'm not going to trade these two first round picks. Yeah. And I'm going to go down as being smart for waiting on it versus if he traded in the off season, maybe this team is like a force in the four spot right now. Like we saw that there was a few games already. They could have easily won if they just made a couple more threes. Mm-hmm. And it goes to show what the difference of having, a, a more balanced roster could be. So I, I see both sides of the argument, but, but to your point about like him just kind of gathering all big names, I, 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 I personally am kind of over the three star kind of construction of a roster. I just think it's outdated. You want a championship and, with two stars. Yeah. And again, and exactly. You have all that kind of depth around you, a, a rotation, a, a stable of guys who are mid contracts are, you know, they play hard. They, they know their roles. And it's really hard to get those types of players on minimum deals each and single year. 
like having to switch out eight guys every year, every year on minimum deals, it's just not going to work. I mean, Lonnie Walker's gone. Probably he's already probably played himself he has into a, one a year. better contract. Like, yeah, <laughs> he's so, signed for one year. Okay, so we'll see what happens with Miles Turner. But now, let's add this to the equation. And we only have a few minutes left here. Chris Maddox and Howard Beck on the crossover NBA show today saying Rob is being very smart because he's waiting for Bradley Beal. A trade for Bradley Beal. According to the crossover NBA show, Washington is the one I keep thinking that's going to happen. If you're the Lakers, don't you think you can get Bradley Beal? He's got a no trade clause. He wants to come to California. He essentially can pick where he wants to go. And the most the Lakers can really give is those two picks. But if he asks out and says California bust, the Wizards, because no trade clause, the Wizards do potentially have to take a lesser deal. So, mm. Rob Palinka, uh, according to them, says the logic that the Western Conference exec was laying out to me, whatever you want to say about Palinka, he's being smart. He's taking his time. I mean, yeah, I mean, that'd be cool. Like, in theory, Bradley Beal makes sense. Like, obviously, he provides the shooting this team doesn't have from the guard spot. He he lines up a bit more with AD's timetable than LeBron does or half post LeBron with LeBron. He's a great fit. Um, he has a massive contract. Bradley for... Beal is your, is your free agent after Russell Westbrook leaves, right? I mean, yeah, you're just going the three-star route again. And, yeah. uh, but to that, you know, it is a way better fitting third star. Like there's no question. Bradley Beal is, is an elite shooter. He's, he's a fantastic offensive player. Um, but again, you're you're back in the situation where you have to build a team around three guys with, at that point, no draft picks. Because I don't even know if Washington will accept two unprotected first. <laughs> I don't think they would. Uh, I think it's going to take more than that. I think another team can beat that offer. So, But say they do, you're back to having three guys, no draft picks, and a lot of minimums. And we've seen the how one injury to LeBron or AD. And, and Beal's not like this super healthy player by his reputation either so i i just kind of still have concerns about building around three specific guys and especially when one of those guys like beal is kind of a defensive liability as well like it's it's just really hard when you when all your chips are on just three guys um i'll say it like this whether you want bradley beal or not i think we're headed towards a three superstar method anyways I think Rob, that Rob Polinka has his. That's 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 the Rob Polinka method. I mean, I want three guys, and I'll do minimums around them. He hasn't shown us otherwise. He he dismantled well, the one year they won the championship, but he didn't make that on his own. You know, like he kind of inherited a lot of that. He broke that down. He chopped it down as fast as he could to get a third guy. You had a championship team. How many guys want to? You always hear run it back, run it back. He's like, nope. Let's break this down. This sucked. I just think that regardless of who they trade for, I think next summer they try and bring in a third superstar. If they trade for anybody, if he doesn't wait it out till Thanksgiving and and they're three and fifteen. Yeah, I mean that's been one of the other holdups with the, with the with the trades. It's they don't want to take on any money, and that's a big sign that they have their eyes on a, someone this offseason. Yeah, I'm um, not saying who, or I'm assuming probably who, but. Uh, at this point, we don't know, but Ooh. I'm guessing Kyrie, but I don't, again, mm. that, that just seems like a disaster. Yeah, um, but LeBron wants it, so. 
Yeah. So we'll see. But that goes to your point that it is hard to kind of trust this front office after what we've seen, what they've done with the roster construction the past few years. And um, it'd be nice like to see them kind of take a different route. And if they don't make a trade, hold on to those picks, maybe use your cap space as a way to get more picks. Like there's other ways to use cap space. You don't have to throw it all at one player. You can you break can just it up. Go buy second rounders and get Christie's or and 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 trust your scouting department and get the 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 best new white guy like Caruso and Reeves and let them go for free and just keep finding them, you know, and or, or sign those and, guys to long term deals. No, but Alex, you could bring in the mid level guys like Malik Monk and Lonnie Walker and watch them leave after a year, and then you could find those those one offs every. Isn't that like fresh and exciting? New jersey sales every year. The Lonnie Walker jerseys are exploding, and then you know what I mean. Like that's so much better. Yeah, I'm I'm just like uh, prepping for the eventual Austin Reeves sign deal somewhere else and fans just lose it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, By the way, quick final thing here. Shout out to Bradley Beal. My God, five years, $251 million. (laughs) That dude is making $43.2 million this year, 46.7, then 50.2, 53.6, and $57.1 million. Holy shit. Awesome, awesome, awesome offensive player. But What's again, Magic Johnson's Wolf. career earnings. I need to look that up real quick. Magic Johnson's career. I don't think he made $57 million. Magic Johnson's total career earnings in the NBA is $39 million. Well, Bradley Beal topped that this Bradley year. Bradley Beal's going to make 57 his final year. <laughs> that is hilarious. Uh, Alex, we'll talk to everybody next week. Uh, I'll talk to you off air, but I think I have to switch because I'm flying to Texas on Tuesday. Uh, but I would like to get in next week. And the Lakers, they do play the Pist- they do play the Pistons. Mm-hmm. And then I'm looking up their schedule real quick to tell you who else they play. Uh, what will their record be by the time we talk to everybody next week? Will they have more than three wins? Uh, how many games are they playing? If we podcast Tuesday, which I don't think I can, they will play three. If we podcast Monday, they will play two. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's say Detroit and San Antonio. I think they win both those. Really? Yeah. The Thomas Bryan effect. (laughs) The Thomas Bryan. I will say this. They better. They really need to better win those two games. They better win those two games. Tell you that much. Yeah. I'll go with you. They better win. They have to be two and oh, they have to be two and oh, the next two. Because then you play Phoenix again. Uh, Alex, this was great. This was fun. Go check out his notebook, silverscreenroll.com, at Alex M. Regla on Twitter. I'm Al- at AlexPedia86 on Twitter. I don't write for silverscreenroll.com. Uh, but anything you need for all your Lakers news is right there. Subscribe to this podcast at your, anywhere you're listening Spotify, Apple, Google, anywhere. Subscribe. Alex, appreciate it, man. I hope you have a good week. And I'll talk to you next week before I fly to Texas. Thanks, man.